with your host, Marie Elizabeth. This podcast will uplift and thrust you into the manifestation of the promises of God in your life. Good evening, good evening. Again, you are listening to the Manifesting God podcast. We're on on Monday evenings at 7 p.m. And I'm so glad to see all of you today. God is still blessing us. I know, I know sometimes it doesn't feel like it. I know sometimes it might not even look like it. But can I tell you today, if you're under the sound of my voice, God has a plan for your life. God has something that he is doing in your life. God is making, he's making, I said, he's making your pathways clear. He's making your pathways clear. And for those of you with sickness in your body, can I tell you right now that God is healing you? God is rescuing you from your illness. God is rescuing you from that which you don't even see, that which you don't even know, that which is in front of you, but yet already behind you. It's already behind you. Don't give up. Don't turn around. And for God's sake, don't go back. Don't return back to the former things. See, because there's nothing else there for you. There is nothing else there for you. What God has for you, he designed it in his plan and it's just for you. He created it and he created you in it just for you. You're shaped in that thing. You're, you're, we're groomed in that thing. God has it just for for you. It's just for you. It's just for you. Come on, get over to John 15. Get over to John 15. The last time I spoke with you, let's see, we had Labor Day in between our last conversation. So the last time I spoke with you, we talked about the subtle sabotage, the subtle sabotage. And when we talked about the subtle sabotage, we brought out the fact that the enemy sometimes will use us again against ourselves. He will use us to basically destroy ourselves. He will use us to sabotage ourselves. But can I tell you that the more that you read and you listen to men and women, true men and women of God, and you read the word of God, that God is going to begin to expose to you the enemy's weapons and how they are working in your life. He's going to begin to show you what's around you, what's near you, what's in your vicinity that might be affecting you, that might not be the will of God for your life that is a distraction to you and that is slowly moving you away from, away from the promises of God and keeping those promises from manifesting in your life. You're sitting there and you're like, I am doing everything that I know to do, yet it seems like the enemy's weapons still prevail against against me? Why are the enemy's weapons? Why are they still prevailing against me? And I know that I'm more than a conqueror. I know that I am already victorious, yet the enemy, he seems, he appears to have the upper hand. But can I tell you that if you're under the sound of my voice, that you yet still have the victory? You yet still have and hold the upper hand. The enemy cannot win this fight because this fight is already fixed in your favor. You were born into this place, into this position. Now you're just growing up into the stature, the likeness, the image of the God who created you. So the battle is already won. All you need to do is show up and stand. Just show up and stand. Let's go to John 15. I'm going to start at the first verse, okay? And it says here, I 
am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. This is Jesus talking. He said, I am the true vine. I'm the true vine and my father, he is the husbandman. He is the tiller of the soil. He is the one that causes all things to grow. But I'm the vine by which you grow. I am the vine by which you grow. See, he's making a defined delineation by telling us who he is. He's clear on who he is and he's clear on who his father God is. Only if we could be so clear. If we could be so clear and know who we are and who our father is, who are we and who is our father? We're talking about that today because we're talking about who's who, who's W-H-O-S-E, who, W-H-O, who's who. Let's go to verse two. It says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. So are we clear yet? We are that branch. We are that branch. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. So, so, so if, if, if I'm the branch prophetess Kenyon, then why do I feel like it is the enemy that has the upper hand? I'm so glad you asked. See, because is it really that the enemy has the upper hand or are you as the branch? Is your fruit being purged so that you may bring forth more fruit, which is more likely? In this, in this, in this, in this being, this, this, this flesh that we are in, our spirit man th that is enclosed within this flesh, but I'm, I'm talking to our spirit man. How likely is it that we who were created in the image and the likeness of God, how is it, how is it possible that we who remain victorious we that remain victorious, I'm going to keep telling you that, that the enemy could have the upper hand. I'm telling you that today, that's not true. That is not true. It is a deception. It is a deceiving tool of the enemy to make you believe that he has the upper hand when in fact that you might be the branch that has bared fruit and that fruit is being purged so that you may bring forth more fruit. Stop trying to hold on to the old fruit and allow God to purge it so that you can bring forth more fruit. Come on, say I'm bringing forth more fruit, more fruit. Verse three says, now ye are clean through the word, which I have spoken unto you. You are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Now, let me back up a bit because I want to make it clear who you are. The Bible tells us every branch, every branch in me that beareth fruit, that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. Now, a branch, let's keep this in mind a branch is tender. A branch is flexible. A branch is tender. A branch is flexible. Can we yield? Can we yield to the purging so that God can bring forth more fruit? Can we be tender and flexible so that God can bring forth more fruit? Come on, we're using all our power and strength to hold on to the fruit that God is trying to purge so that we may bring forth more fruit, more fruit. See, fruit here is carpos. And throughout this chapter, fruit means exactly the same thing, whether it's, whether it's one that's bearing a uh, rotten fruit, as it were, one that's not bearing any at all, or one that is bearing fruit. It means the same thing. 
throughout, throughout the entire text. It looks the same. It looks the same. But, but here's the key we're going to find out. Where it abides or continues to abide, where it stays or continues to stay will depend on whether or not that fruit is rendered useful or useless. Whether or not that fruit stays, abides, or continues to abide will dictate whether or not that fruit remains useful or useless, okay? Fruit, it originates. It comes from something. It comes from something. It can be considered a work, an act, a deed. It's, it's advantageous. It's a profit, a utility. It, to, to gather such fruit, it would be one that is, is, sowing, uh, is gathering a harvest into eternal life. This course is a discourse of those who by their laborers have fitted souls to obtain eternal life. What, again, fruit might you be trying to hold on to that God is trying to purge from you so that you may then attain new fruit, new fruit. Remember, you are the branch. You're tender and you're flexible. It is Jesus who is the true vine and it is God, his father, our father, who is the husbandman. He is the tiller. He is the tiller. He will, he will take away the fruit that does not produce. However, you must allow him to prune and purge the fruit that exists so that you can bring forth more fruit. Too many times we're holding on. We're holding on. And I told you whether or not the fruit is uh, is what God intends for you to have in that moment will say whether or not that fruit is useful or useless. It depends on the nature of the fruit. Can it abide? Can it continue to abide? Verse four, it says, abide in me. We the branch, we abide in Jesus. Abide in me and I in you. We abide in him. He abides in us as the branch. We are the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. It must abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me and Christ. There is no way we can bear fruit unless we abide. We abide at unless we abide in Christ. There is no other way to uh, to 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 uh to bear fruit. It is not. It is, you cannot bear fruit unless we abide in Christ. We, the branch, I'm talking to the branches. I'm talking to the branches. Verse five says, I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth, he that continues, who stays in me and I in him, the same, the same bringeth forth what? much fruit, much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. You cannot bring forth fruit. You cannot bring forth more fruit. You cannot bring forth much fruit with unless, unless you are that vine, that tender, flexible branch that abides in Jesus Christ. It is impossible. Stay with me. Come on, stick with me because you know I am going somewhere. We're going to break this thing down for you because we're seeing fruit and uh, we're, we're mistaking that for the fruit of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're mistaking the bearer of that fruit for a branch that is attached to the vine, the true vine, when in fact they are not. If there were not another 
another type of vine, he would not have had to make the delineation and say that I am the true vine. That tells us from verse one is that there's other kind of vines and there's other types of fathers and there's other types of husbandmen. There's other types. There's other types. So let's go now and let's continue on because now he's going to begin this scripture. John is beginning to share with us what the evidence of a branch actually looks like. What exactly is it? How is it maintained? What does it actually, what does this fruit actually look like? In verse six, it says, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch. Oh, still a branch, still a branch. But guess what? And is number one, withered. And is withered. And number two, men gather them. So you're withered and you're gathered. Verse three, and they're cast them into the fire. They're cast into the fire. And four, they are burned. The reason why I separated them out like that, because God steps into the fire with us. We know of experiences. The Bible tells us of experiences where God stepped into the fire with those whom he loved and he rescued them from the fire and they were not burned. But we see here the branch that is not attached to the vine. That is Jesus Christ. It's withered. It's gathered. And not only is it cast into the fire, but it's burned. But it's burned but it is burned. Come on. Are you withered? Are you gathered? Do you feel the heat of the fire? Do you, do you see the singe of the burn? Then that is not a branch that is, is attached to the vine. That is Jesus Christ. That is the father who tilleth the husbandman. Verse seven says, if ye abide in me, Come on. Here's the other one. Here's the evidence. If ye abide in me and number one, my word abides in you. And two, you, you're going to ask whatever you will. So those that abide in Christ, they can ask anything of him. And guess what? Number three, they're going to receive it and it shall be done unto you. And it shall be done unto you. So if you are of the, if you are those that abide in Christ, you stay in him, continue in him and his word is in you. You can ask whatever you will and it shall be done unto you. You shall receive it. You shall receive it. Why? Because there's an end result that he's looking for here. In verse eight, it says, herein is my father glorified. He is glorified by those who stay in him. That those that abide in him, who have his word in them, they are, they're the ones that are able to ask and they receive. That is how he is glorified. Why? That ye bear much fruit. He's glorified because you bear much fruit. What does your fruit look like? What though? What does those you love? What does their fruit look like? Or is their fruit representative? Represent a representative of Christ? Is there? Does their fruit tell you that they are Christ's disciples? Do we, do we even know, do we even examine, do we even examine those that come around us and those that, uh, claim to be, um, lovers of Christ? Do we even examine their fruit? Do we even examine them as a branch and, and note if they are a tender flexible branch do we even examine their fruit do we even do we even pay attention to the fact to see if they are able to bear a fruit more fruit much more fruit do we even see that in their lives do we see that in those that we follow do we see that do we see that in their lives or do we see a branch that is withered or do we see something that's easily gathered and do we see something that is seemingly has been cast into fire and is burned meaning it is of no use it can only provide heat 
It can only provide you with something to warm your hands, but there's nothing of substance that it can, that they can provide to you. Which one do we see? Which ones are present in our lives? Which ones, which branches do we know that the father receives glory from? And we continue to see them bearing much fruit. We continue to see them as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And and if we don't see that, if you honestly can tell me that I I don't know anyone like that. I don't have anyone like that in my life, in my life. I surmise that you haven't taken the time to examine what's around you. You have not taken the time to examine those you may follow. You haven't taken the time to examine those that call themselves Christian, but you don't see any fruit. You haven't taken the time to examine. Why is that? Why? Why have we not taken the time to examine? Why do we not guard what Christ has deposited into us? Why do we not guard our ourselves as the branch, make sure that nothing comes between us and the true vine who is Jesus? Make sure that we stay attached, that we continue to, that we abide and that we continue to abide. Have we even examined our own fruit to make sure that it is fruit that is that that replicates and yields more fruit and that it's much fruit so that the father is glorified and that we have a witness that we are the disciples we are indeed the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ why have we not done that i submit that sometimes we get a tad bit lazy we don't want it we don't want to we don't want to think nor do we want to choose to 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 know what the differences are see because if we find out if through our examinations that the differences are not aligned to more fruit to fruit more fruit and much more fruit which god can be glorified when we don't see that that consistent example of a disciple then we have to make a decision And most of the time, we do not want to make a decision. See, because we've been rejected so many times, we don't want to have to make a decision that says that we have to let a person go because a person is not aligning to the will of God or to the purpose of God. So we don't want to make that decision. So instead, because we don't want to make that decision, we just don't look. We just take it at face value. We just take it at word value. We take it at word value. But can I tell you that God is now calling us to examine not only ourselves, we of course are to examine ourselves, but we must examine that which calls itself Christ. We must begin to examine that which calls itself Christ and serving the Lord Jesus Christ, we must examine that fruit. And in and, and many cases, we're going to find out that that fruit is not a fruit of God. We're going to find out that that branch is not a branch. It is not a branch that is tender and flexible, but instead it is a branch that is withered and easily, gar- uh, easily gathered and has been cast into a fire. It is doesn't bring the Lord God any glory at all. It is not a disciple of the Lord God at all. See, we're not just no longer going to be responsible to, you know, me, me, myself, and I, and that's all I have to worry about because see the influence The influence of the world seeks to subtly move you away from the things of God. So you must begin to examine what you allow around you. You must begin to think. We must begin to think. 
I never understood why, why when it comes to the things of the world, we are more than willing to put our thinking cap on and examine everything and examine everyone. We examine our work. We examine our play. We examine everything. You know, we, we, we take, we take pride in the fact that we notice everything going on around and outside of us, but we never take the time to actually put on a thought process and begin to examine what is saying that it's God that indeed is not. We'd rather be subtly moved away from God than to call that spade a spade and move it away from us. See, it's about more than it's about more than me just taking your word for it. See, because if you represent the same God that I represent, then there's a standard. Then there's a standard. So you can't say that you serve the same God that I serve, but you don't want to uphold the standard that God had put in place. We want to look like the world and act like the world, but we want to be in the pulpit while we do it. But we want to say we're of God. We want to say that we that we serve the true and the living God. I I I sis, I am a branch. I'm the I'm the I'm the branch, and I'm attached to the true and living vine. But yet, everything about you represents death. Everything about you represents suffering. Everything about you represents a, a God who has forsaken you. Who has forsaken you and, and, and a God who has forsaken you. Why? Because you forsook him for the world system. Your, how do I know? Your outfit tells me that you've forsaken God for the world system. Your beat face tells me sometimes it's overbeat that you have forsaken God for the world system. Oh yeah. And your heels, they tell me that you've forsaken God for the world system. And I'm not saying that you can't have any of those things or wear any of those things. But for my women, because I'm a woman, and I'm going to talk to you. What happened to our modest apparel? What happened to our modest apparel? If we're of God, then why are our dresses cut so low and we're in the pulpit? If we're of God, then why are we wearing the highest heel that is going to show our legs in the most flattering sense to every gentleman that goes by? Why? Why do we have to show everything? Why do we have to show everything to my gentlemen? Why do we have to share everything? Why do our pants have, why do your pants have to be that tight? Come on, why, why? And then when I question you, then I'm not of God. But you're saying you represent the true and the living vine. You represent the Lord Jesus Christ. But you're a distraction in the clothes you choose. But you're okay saying that you represent the true and living God. No, I challenge you today. I challenge you today to show me where God gets glory if the if, if the women are now distracted because they're looking at your body, because you're showing you've got everything so tight. Or women, the men are looking at your body, so they're, they're so distracted because you got on something so tight. So how is the father then glorified? Where is the fruit for the father in that? Where is it at in that? Where is it at? Come on, keep on going. John 5, it says at verse 39, you study, go to John 5. Okay, I know I was in John 15. Now go to John, I think I'm in John 5. And I am in, let me double check. I'm in John 5 and I believe I'm in verse 39. I'm going to double check real quick. I'm in John 5 and I believe I'm in verse 39. When I say, let me see, make sure the same scripture, got all kinds of stuff going on here. 39, search the scriptures. Yep, there we go. Search the scriptures for them. Yep, that's it. Okay, so John 5 and 39. Let me go there. And it says there, here it is. You study the scriptures diligently because you think in them you have eternal life. See, because you know them or you quote them, you think in them. You have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Come on. But you do not know the person which whom the scriptures are speaking about. Come on. Who are who am I describing there? 
who am I describing there? You study the scriptures diligently because you think in them you have eternal life. Come on. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. But you do not know the person which whom the scriptures are speaking about. Who am I referring to there? Come on, who am I describing there? I'll tell you who I'm describing because I'm just so glad you guys are so full of questions today. And I'm just so glad I can answer all your questions. It says, who am I describing here? Okay, that was the question that you asked. I'm glad you asked. I am describing what I'm referring to as an undercover Pharisee. I'm describing what I'm referring to as an undercover Pharisee. Okay, verse 40 says, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Who does that? The Pharisee. I do not accept glory from human beings. Who wants glory from human beings? Pharisee, 42. But I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your heart. How does Christ know this? Because verse 43, I have come in my father's name and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you accept them. Come on, recognition begots recognition. All right, Bishop Doctor, sir, recognition begot recognition. Verse 44, how can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? How is it that you can say you believe? When you're willing to take, to accept glory from one another, you can be docked to each other, but you won't seek the glory that comes only from God. You won't seek that glory that comes only from God. See, Jeremiah 17 says it like this in verse five. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in and relies on mankind, making weak, faulty human flesh his strength and whose mind and heart turn away from the Lord. For he will be like a shrub in the parched desert and shall not see prosperity when it comes, but shall live in the rocky places of the wilderness in an uninhibited salt land. That is the one who accepts glory from one another. See, the reason why I refer to them as an undercover Pharisee, because they're, they're spouting out words that lead us to believe that they are a part of the true vine. But in fact, they are not. See, Matthew 23, it describes a Pharisee. And they are those who, at high level, think they know God and they do not. They think they know God, but they do not. And I challenge you to, to, to examine the fruit of others because I believe that Pharisees still exist today. Undercover Pharisees. They still exist today. What are they? Matthew 23, again, exposes them. The amplified version says like this. This is a, this is a Pharisee. It says in verse two in uh, Matthew 23, it says, um, the scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in Moses' chair of authority as teachers of the law. They seated themselves. Verse three. So practice and observe everything they tell you, but do not do as they do. For they preach things, but do not practice them. They do not practice them. Verse four says the scribes and Pharisees tie up heavy loads that are hard to bear and they place them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not lift a finger to make them light, lighter at all. Just burden upon burden upon burden upon your shoulders, but they do nothing to lighten those burdens. I'm telling you, we have some undercover Pharisees in the church today. Undercover Pharisees, they do all their deeds to be seen by men. 
for they make their phylacteries small cases containing scripture passages. They're worn on their left arm and on the forehead. They literally are putting the scriptures on their forearm and on their forehead. Yeah, they're wearing them. They're literally wearing them. No need. They're not even trying to be conspicuous. Conspicuous. They're not even trying to hide. They're not even trying. They want to be seen. The Bible says, and they make their tassels long. Verse six says, they love the place of distinction and honor. Verse seven says, they like to be greeted with respect, even in the marketplace. Don't you dare see them in the supermarket and not address them by their full bishopric. Oh, my goodness. They'll preach a sermon on you on Sunday. Don't you do it. Don't you dare see them in the McDonald's and don't address them by their full prophetic mantle. Don't you do it because they will indeed uh, talk about you on social media. They want to be addressed by their titles in the marketplaces and in public forums. They love to be called rabbi, verse seven says. But see, here's our task. This is one thing that I love about the word of God. It will point out to us, this is how you deal with it though. But do not, it says in verse eight, be called a rabbi teacher for one is your teacher and you are all equally brothers. Verse nine says, do not call anyone on earth who guides you spiritually, your father. This is the amplified version. For one is your father, he who is in heaven. Verse 10, do not let yourselves be called leaders or teachers for one is your leader teacher the christ come on verse 11 but the greatest among you will be servants come on can i get you to drop your big titles get rid of your big titles and just say i'm servant so and so can we do that verse 12 whoever exalts himself shall be humbled and whoever humbles himself shall be raised to honor see a pharisee they're self-seated they're self-seated. They say one thing, they do another. They put burdens on the shoulder of another. They want to be seen and noticed. They want to be addressed by their title at all times versus the servant. Versus the servant in 1 Peter and 2, where it tells us the servants, they live as free people. We don't use our freedom as a cover or a pretext for evil, but we use it and, uh, and we live as bond servants of God. We don't use it for evil. We're not, we're not in the pulpit saying one thing and behind the scenes doing the extreme opposite. That is not what a servant is doing. We show respect for all people. We show respect for, we love our brotherhood. We fear God and we honor the king. I'm talking about the branch that is attached to the true vine. That is the servant. The servant in the Greek, it referred to household servants who may have been well-educated and may have managed an estate. So servants, yes, y'all, we can think we are intelligent. We have not just matriculated our, uh, our studies in the world. We are intelligent beings. We're well-educated. We manage a state so we can think. We can look at a matter. We can look at fruit and we can judge that fruit. We can look and see, we can read and we can comprehend the word of God to know if that fruit if that branch is actually attached to the true and living vine, or if it's attached to something that is not godly, it's only two attachments. It's either the true vine or the false vine. So we can look at that thing and we can make a determination because we are intelligent. Verse 19 says, for this finds favor if a person endures, we can endure we can endure. Verse 20, we can patiently bear undeserved suffering. We can patiently bear it. We're free. We respect all people. We love other believers. We fear God. We honor authority. We are educated and we are intelligent. We are submissive to kind, even unreasonable people. 
because we know who we are. We have endurance and we patiently bear our suffering. This is the servant of God, the servant of God who's attached to the true vine, Jesus Christ, who is attached to God, the father, the husband, man, the, wait a minute. I'm not saying that word right. Let me go back up to my top of my notes. I got to say it right. We are, we are attached to the true vine and the father who is the husband, man. We are attached. That is the servant. But we also must realize that there is what I am referring to just me just me, I'm referring to as the Pharisee, I'm referring to undercover Pharisee, that, that would be the branch that is not attached to the true vine. They're attached to a false vine. And I've told you in um, past texts where I showed you that they have what the fruit would look for. They are unable to, as the servant, bear fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. They are unable, the father is unable to receive glory from the much fruit that they bear. He is unable to call them his disciples. He is unable to do such. So we must decide, and I'm saying this to us because we must decide what exactly, what exactly is around us. And we know it by its fruit by its fruit. See, depending on the moment you are in, whether Pharisee or servant will dictate how you interpret and live in a moment in time. It depends. It depends on what is happening in that moment. And we must learn to interpret our moments in time. Right now, we're ignoring too many things. And too many things are getting by. The undercover Pharisee is making appearances as a servant. And then the servant is following the undercover Pharisee to soon become one of them. Because they can't interpret the moment in time, the fruit that is being bared in that moment. They can't interpret it. They can't interpret it. We have to pause, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, we are moving too fast, doing too much without thoroughly investigating. See, we we act like we act as if that is strictly a worldly principle. We act as if it's okay. For the, no, the world does that, and the world uh, re-examines everything and everyone. We forget that we are intelligent beings, and when it comes to the things of God, all of a sudden we know nothing. All of a sudden, we are. Listen, Christianity is is one of the groups that most people uh, laugh at, talk about, call stupid call idiots because we are we 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 exercise our intelligence but only for the world and then when it comes to Christ we don't want to think we don't want to think and so people come in and say anything to us and do anything to us take from us anything and everything and we let it be so because we will not as we would in the world say no I'm not tolerating that Instead, we take it. We're too lazy to think about it. We're too lazy to think because that means we might have to reject. That means we might have to put aside, put asunder. It's a listen, it's not, it is not. I'm not, I'm not trying to make light of it or make it seem that it's going to be just so easy to do to dismiss in your life what is not of God. But here's the thing: you do it in the world. You do it in the world. Let let a business mistreat you. Let them take, let them not, hey, go in the store today and let them not give you back the proper change. You're going to turn back around and make it known that they did not give you back the proper change. Let them miss and bill your credit card twice. You're going to go back in, go back in there or call there and make sure that they get that right. What I'm saying is, why do we give our 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 why do we give our ability to think only to the worldly things, but we won't give it to God. We let anything and everything be a thing. And we won't call anything on the carpet. Oh, we'll talk about it, but we'll still follow it. 
We'll talk about it, but we'll still read it. We'll talk about it, but we'll still watch it. It's time for us to make our voices known. It's time for us to examine, you know, pause and examine what you're taking in when you're watching TV. And if that program, you know, they try to slip everything in now in, in television. They try to slip everything in now. So if that program has in that program with that which is not God approved, that is not God's will or purpose, turn it off. Stop watching it. If you have, if you have uh, in the workplace, you would speak up if they were mistreating you, right? So why do we in the in the in the quote unquote house of God, we don't say anything when we're clear that we're being robbed and beaten. We're clear. And we'll go back the next Sunday to get robbed and beat some more. What, what we need to do in this day and time is we have to begin to open our mouths and we have to begin to, to uh, how my apostle say, I want to say cry loud. We have to begin to cry loud against things that are not of God. Otherwise, we're going to find ourselves in a situation where, you know, we're validating. I hate to say it this way, but we're validating our own stupidity because we know who's who, but we won't speak. We know what's what, but we won't say anything. We just let it go. We just let it go. No, open your mouth. Write that, write that television program. This, I love this program until you did this, until you added this. And I want you to know I will no longer watch this TV. And yes, I will tell all my friends. Can we get a righteous indignation about things that are not? about God, because guess what? If we go and we say, no, because God is this and God is that, they're going to try to shut us down. No, we're not doing that here in the workplace. No, we're not talking about God here. Oh yeah, we're talking about God here because I'm here and I'm of God. Just like you can talk about everything that goes on in your world, every bit every bit of politics, every, every bit of, of God that you serve, all the different gods that you serve. So we're going to talk about my God too. How about that? See, we got to get indignant and get and get uh, establish our place in our presence. And don't be afraid to let people know who you are. We need to there needs. Listen, it's really bad when you can go into the workplace and nobody there knows you're a Christian. That is really bad. Nobody there knows you're a Christian. And you've been there 10 years, 15 years, and nobody knows that about you. Nobody has picked that up in your, in your conversation without you even maybe even saying God, but nobody has picked that up in your demeanor, in your personality. Wait a minute. Something's different about them. Nobody has picked that up about you yet. So that tells me that you have yet to make a stand. You have yet, you have yet to draw a line, a line that says who's who. You know, if, if you're in church and you can act one way, but then you get into uh, a family gathering and you can be something completely different. I'm thinking that maybe you haven't yet drawn that line yet. You haven't yet made it clear who's who. Ladies and gentlemen, we have been talking about tonight who's who. And we're talking about we were talking about just a summary. We've been talking about um Jesus Christ being the true vine and his father being the husbandman. And we talked about the true vine being the branch, us being attached to the true vine and what that looks like. And we talked about what it looks like when you are not attached to the true vine. And we talked about that in the fact that we talked about the Pharisee and that would, that's what a person would look like that is not attached to the true vine. And then we talked about a servant of God. And that is what a person would look like that is attached to the true vine. We talked about the fruit. We we talked about a, the servant being able to bear fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. And because they can bear much fruit, that is when God receives the glory and he can call them a true disciple. But the false that's attached to the false vine, the Pharisee, the fake out, they can't do that. They cannot produce more fruit, much fruit, much more fruit. They can't produce fruit that will remain. They cannot go through a pruning because they never produced fruit that remained that needed to be pruned. They are people that um, like to make themselves appear to be something that they are not. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to begin to think about 
which one we are, and then what's around us. Let's begin to know the difference between who's who. Let's begin to be able to tell the difference between who's who. Amen. Amen. Let me pray with you. God, we thank you. We thank you, God. We thank you for being our Lord. We thank you for being our Savior. And we thank you for being our Deliverer. We thank you, oh God, that you are uh, increasing our discernment and that you're opening our eyes. You're opening our eyes to that which is around us, near us, in our vicinity that is not of you. We thank you, oh God, that you're separating us because you called us for your purpose and you want to be able to get the glory out of our lives. We thank you, oh God, that you're pruning us so that we can yield more fruit, so that we can yield much fruit. We thank you, oh God, that you want to get the glory out of our lives and that you still want to be able to call us your disciples. And we thank you, oh God, that you're ready to make a distinction. We thank you for the plumb line that you place between us and the enemy. We thank you for the plumb line that you place between the servant and the Pharisee. We thank you, oh God, that you're calling forth, God, the branches that are tender, the branches that are flexible, the branches that can suffer but still stand, the branches, oh God, that can that can be sick and still serve and then be healed. We thank you, oh God, that we are a people, oh God, that have been called for your glory and that we stand in your righteousness. We thank you that you have cleansed us from filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit and that you're even now perfecting holiness in us because you want us to walk worthy of the vocation wherein we have been called, shaped, and formed. And we thank you, oh God, that you're open opening our eyes even now. You're opening our eyes and not only our eyes, but our mouths to firmly declare who's who. We thank you, oh God, that you are opening our mouths now with boldness to speak the very oracles of God in authority, with authority and power, God. We bless your holy name and we thank you, oh God, that you're the solid rock on which we stand. We thank you that we won't stumble, that we will never fall because you're always holding us up with your right hand. We bless you. We bless you. And we give you all glory because you're our savior and our deliverer. We thank you, oh God. We bless your holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining me on this evening. So I will see you all next Monday at 7 p.m. And remember, until then, don't give up. Don't give up. I will see you on next week. <laughs>